testing, testing. Testing, one, two, three. Nice. And then you can see that it's recording on your end, right? Yes. Okay, perfect. So hi, Olivia. Or should I call you Liv in the podcast? You tell me. Um, that was easier. Let's go with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hi, Liv. How are you? Hello, I'm doing well, Erda. How are you? I'm doing well. Can you just, like, uh, state your name and how we know each other? Yes. So my name is Olivia Gren. Um, Erda and I met my senior year, senior year, I think, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, my senior year at Notre Dame, um, fall semester, we were in, oh my God, what was even the name of the class? Marketing and consultants? Consulting, consulting and development. There we go. Right. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, consulting and development with the good old Dr. Morris. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we had two amazing women that we were helping out with um, to launch their business, basically. Hello, and welcome to Behind the Hustle a podcast that explores the experiences and stories of Black entrepreneurs navigating the world of small business technical assistance programs. We're going to do this by interviewing five entrepreneurs who participated in the South Bend Entrepreneurs in Adversity Program, or SB, a small business technical assistance program run out of the University of Notre Dame. My name is Erda, and I'm a master's student at the University of Notre Dame, studying global affairs with a concentration in peace studies. In this season of Behind the Hustle, or BTH as the cool kids are calling it, we will focus specifically on the South Bend Entrepreneurs and Adversity Program, or SBEEP. SBEEP is run out of the McKenna Center at the University of Notre Dame and provides entrepreneurs in the South Bend area with a fully integrated program that aims to get their businesses off the ground in 80 steps. SBEEP starts with a six-week boot camp of intense business classes, followed by entrepreneurs getting paired with successful business owners from the community for four months of mentoring. Finally, the entrepreneurs get matched with a pair of Notre Dame students who consult with them about their businesses for an entire semester. This portion of the SB program, the student consultancies, is where I first came into contact with it. I became one of the student consultants by taking a class called Consulting and Development that met twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The conceit of the class is that we would sit in a traditional classroom on Notre Dame's campus on Tuesdays and learn essentially how to run a business 101. We'd learn about marketing, finance, product development, etc. lecture style. On Thursdays, we'd go to the local community center in South Bend where groups of two students were assigned to two entrepreneurs from SB who were trying to get their businesses off the ground. We would consult with these business owners for an hour each, giving them advice on marketing, finance, product development, etc. At the end of the semester, we had to present these business owners with three deliverables, three concrete things like a website or a social media marketing plan, or even a bookkeeping system that they could integrate into their businesses to get one step closer to completing those 80 steps. Now, if you're wondering why I, a P-Study student, is interested or more importantly qualified to become a consultant and dole out business advice to budding entrepreneurs, keep listening. I pinky promise that I will swing back around and answer this question by the end of this first episode. This project is part of my capstone project for obtaining my master's degree in P-Studies. Ever since taking the consulting and development class, I've been interested in researching the SB program through a P-Studies lens. 
In taking this peace studies lens to this program, I wondered how the people who were at the center of the program, the entrepreneurs, were faring. I'm less concerned with the numbers, like increases in revenue or client retention or optimized supply chains. That's for the business students to worry about. I'm concerned with the human beings. How are they feeling as they progress through these spaces? What are the experiences that they were having that added color, shape, and humanity to those numbers about client retention and revenue capture? So I asked them. I conducted five in-depth interviews of entrepreneurs who had gone through the SB program. Although SB doesn't specifically focus on one racial or gender group, like black people or women entrepreneurs, I ended up interviewing four black women and one black man about their time in the program. When conducting these interviews, I asked the entrepreneurs questions like, walk me through your first student consultancy meeting in order to let them lead the research. Inevitably, they each individually and organically brought up the same things. Things like different strategies they use for navigating white spaces, or why they left the traditional workplace and the importance of ownership to black entrepreneurs, or the specific insecurities that black women entrepreneurs faced. At the end of these interviews, I had hours of content, stories, and perspectives that I've gathered and edited here and to this very podcast that you're listening to now. So, finally, after this uninterrupted five-minute block of the sound of my voice, let's actually get started. Remember earlier when I promised to answer the question of why I, a Peace Study student, is interested or qualified to become a consultant and dole out business advice to budding entrepreneurs? Here comes your answer now. What you'll hear next is a continuation of a cold open, a conversation that I had with Liv, my partner during the student consultancies. We discuss who we are, why we chose to do the class, and our general experiences and stories from that time. This will provide key context as to my positionality that will inform the next five episodes as I interview the entrepreneurs. Now let's listen to Liv and I as we discuss our time in consulting and development. Or was it marketing and consultants? Psych. Editing Erda here, just quickly popping in to warn you that the audio that's about to play does sound horrendous. It's somehow both too loud and too soft, and sometimes it even sounds garbled. I think it's because I recorded this remotely and not with Liv in person. She's in North Carolina, I'm in Indiana, and I just couldn't squeeze in a flight for a live interview from my meager budget of zero dollars and zero cents. Anyways, I have to assure you that the audio for literally every single episode after this one is a million times better. Just bear with me and give me some grace through this first episode as I hadn't quite figured out how to use the fancy recording equipment that I borrowed from Notre Dame. Now let's listen to Liv and I as we discuss our time in consulting and development. Thanks for understanding. Why did you decide to take the consulting and development class? So you were studying, um, like you had a minor in entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, but I was talking to my advisor and he was like, there's this new minor, innovation and entrepreneurship. And if you're interested, because I had mentioned something about being interested in entrepreneurship. And he was like, you know, you mm-hmm. should look into this. And once I did, um, I just kind of, I was, it just like resonated a lot with me. So I was like, okay, I definitely mm-hmm. want to do this. But then once I kind of, well, okay, no, this is what it was. So that was Mm -hmm. the reason for my first marketing class that I took with Dr. Morris. And then once I had him, I I really, really, I don't know. Like, you can comment on this too. His style is so interesting because like he's definitely Mm kind of scary. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I learned so much from him. Like I I Mm -hmm. especially realize that now, especially like it's, 
it's that the innovation part for me is the biggest thing because I constantly mm-hmm. just like, okay, like how can we improve their business? How can we do like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How can we get there? You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think honestly, Dr. Morris was a big part of it. I think he really was a great professor. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it was because of Dr. Morris that you decided to take this class. Um, and also your minor. And, and the, the minor for sure, big part of it. And then also once I, I learn a lot better in like mm-hmm. a hands-on setting. And once mm-hmm. I realized that that class was going to be um, like working with real people mm-hmm. and like partner work and all that kind of stuff, I knew that I would learn a lot from yeah. it. So that yeah. was definitely mm-hmm. a big part of it. Um, yeah. What, what got you into the class initially? Uh, interesting of you to ask me um, that question. Um, yeah, I think it was exactly the same for me. Uh, not exactly the same. I didn't know who Dr. Morris was. I, yeah, uh, this was, I think I took it my first semester at Notre Dame. So I truly just saw the class description. And I think I talked to um, a couple people at the Kroc Institute about it. Um, other uh, MGA, Master of Global Affairs students had taken it before. Um, mm-hmm. And this whole idea of mainly the fact that you work directly, like half the class, the structure is that it's the class meets two times a week for an hour and a half each time. Um, and then one day a week, you're in a classroom, traditional Dr. Morris is at the front and he's teaching you you know, marketing or um, how to do basic bookkeeping or, you know, these like classic business uh, school. And then for the other day of the week, you are fully for that whole time, that whole hour and a half, I think two hours actually is what it ended up being. You're in, uh, uh, it's like a community center off campus and you're meeting with your two clients. So you get partnered up with one other student in class and then you two meet with two other, like each of you have a primary client and then someone else that you're helping with, um, two business owners in the community of South Bend. And you then just talk through consulting with them for the entirety of the semester of the class. That's the part that really got me. I'm sorry. I was say, it was such a learning curve for us, for, yeah. or at least for me. Yeah. I don't know if you had done any consulting before, but I was like trying mm-hmm. to learn as we go. Mm-hmm. And, th- and then it's like, he would, you know, his, his teaching segment on bookkeeping is like three yep. weeks after we already needed to talk about it with them. Yep. So like yep. finding that balance, how, how can we teach someone something when we're still mm-hmm. learning it ourselves? Yeah. And it was like, I, I think the approach like is interesting and it makes sense to me, this idea that like, you don't need to be a business student in order to do this because the whole point is that whatever bookkeeping system that you create like you and I who are neither of us are business students peace studies and um and theater you know what I mean yeah exactly like the kind of bookkeeping that we would create is is not just basic and simple but it's made in such a way that it's uh, accessible to these small business owners who also don't know do you know what I mean like we're both we both don't know in the same way and so it's easier for us to teach that it's like, um, like, it, like sometimes I don't know if you see this, but professors that are like too qualified, if that makes sense, where they have like a triple PhD and they invented a new form of math, and now they're trying to teach you, and you're like, I can't. <laughs> Seriously, for real. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that aspect of it makes sense to me that like, even though we are inexperienced, uh, the only experience I'd had, like I worked for the small business administration uh, during the pandemic, like right after when all the businesses had to shut down um, because of the lockdowns and people were applying for small business loans. Like that's like, I, one of my only, I mean, I did an econ undergrad as well. um, And so I had that experience, but I like 
this whole mentality that, oh, we can learn bookkeeping week one and then teach it week two because we know <laughs> how, like exactly how to um, help this business owner. That, that just made sense to me. Um, I think for me, like I, hmm, it, it's like I I was born in Haiti originally, and I moved to to Florida. Not just me; my whole family <laughs> moved me to Florida when I was nine years old, right? And mm-hmm. kind of ever since then, I think it's just this kind of immigrant uh, mentality, like of yeah. taking the opportunity, you know, that my parents basically just sacrificed <laughs> their whole entire lives in Haiti to move us here to the right. uh, to the U.S. Um, and me thinking that whole time, like through high school of like, why is Haiti one way? Like, why did we have to move kind of? Why is Haiti the way that it is? And why is uh, the U.S. the way that it is, right? Why are their economies different? Like, why is there running water in the U.S. when there's, you know, electricity for maybe two hours a day in some parts of Haiti, right? Or none at all, right? And so in trying to decipher that question, like that's when I decided to do econ as undergrad. Not thinking of it like in any terms of business or anything, but like in macro scale economic, like truly my dream was going, like I wanted to be an economic advisor, like for like the White House. That was what I wanted to do, right? You Um, are such a rock star. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I I then I interned in DC and I talked to like I entered at the Department of uh, Transportation um, and I talked to the people who were economic advisors and I was like I that's not for me never mind (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh I think this is a thing that maybe happens to a lot of people maybe it's just me but I think the theoretical like the like studying of economics was more interesting to me than the real like not even the real life applications but like the reality of trying to convince someone of doing economic policy. Like what I realized is like I went in as a naive high schooler or, you know what I mean? Starting my freshman year of college thinking like, Oh, we don't, we don't have the answers. There's no way that we can figure out a way to make Haiti more like the U S like this is up to me. And then I did the degree and I was like, Oh, we do have the answers. We know exactly how to (laughs) improve Haiti's economy. We just don't have the political will. This is just not how the world works. There are, you know, the colonizers and the colonized, like, they, like all these, like, huge issues. But the issue isn't that we don't know how to do it. So then right. if I were to become um, an eco- eh, economic advisor, like, I would be saying the same thing that everyone else has been saying. This is how you pr- improve the economy. And now it's up to the politicians to decide if they want to take your advice. Yeah. And that's the part that I was like, I can't. <laughs> Because we know the answers. I can't see you in that position, to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, we know the answers. We have all the charts and graphs and analytics and all that. And then it's really just, like, you have to get a politician who agrees with you. And then that politician has to have enough power. And then you have to get the lobbyists. And then you have to get the whole country, like, consensus. And I was like, I can't. Because we know. Like, we know what needs to be done. We just don't want to do it. Anyways. (laughs) So so it's you felt like you Mm -hmm. could make an impact elsewhere, basically? Yes. Exactly. I just felt like I could not make an impact (laughs) in uh, the world of economic advising. Um, And so uh this is kind of like tangenting, but like Mm -hmm. you think that like you have to get to the top to make the most impact Mm -hmm. in the most, you know, Mm -hmm. influential place like what you Mm -hmm. know, you see, but then you Mm -hmm. realize like it's this like I felt like I made the most impact in this consultant class because it's mm. you, you are it's the literal one-on-one work you know yep. it's 
Yep. You feel the, like, the back end of it, I guess. Yeah, no, I fully agree. And I, this is a thing where, so after I decided I don't want to become an economic advisor, but I still, like, finished my econ degree. It was a bit too late for me. Um, but I, <laughs> no. I, I also, I'm sorry? No going back on that. You still got to finish it. Yeah, right. And also, it's like, like I said, I really do like econ. Like, I, I like the theory and I like the, like, the studying of it. Um, and also I knew that econ was just like a versatile degree that I could do whatever I wanted with. Right. I didn't have to like go into hard tech economics. Um, but anyways, like that is a pivot that I realized, like I, when I joined Peace Corps, like is you come into Peace Corps with this idea of like, you want to make an impact. I think that's a big, you know, cause yeah. you're, you're not getting paid. Peace Corps is a volunteer position. It's two years of your life. So like the, the, Altru- not altruistic, but like the selfish reason that you join is because you think I can turn this around, I can go and I can help someone, you know what I mean? Like I have whatever, X, Y, Z, right? And then you go in and it's like, I specifically chose a country, I think the year that I started was the first year, maybe the second year that Peace Corps lets you choose, that you don't just get randomly assigned a country <laughs> and then hope for the best. It's not randomly assigned, they match your skills with the country. Um, where you're needed or whatever but this time you could just get to choose to apply to a specific program in a specific country and I chose Kosovo it's like a small country in the Balkans and I chose that because of its size because it's small and I was like I can maybe have more of an impact here because of it it's so small but it's still an entire country right Right. that's like the hard lesson that you learn in Peace Corps maybe week one month one you know year one is how little of an impact that you can have. Like you said, you think that the impact is to be had at the highest level. So you're like, okay, I'm a Peace Corps volunteer. I have this like quote unquote American privilege. So I'm going to go talk to the politicians, the higher ups, the mayor of the town that I'm assigned to, and I'm going to, you know, get X, Y, Z done. Right. And then you realize it's the complete opposite. Again, exactly what you were saying. It's the one-on-one. It's my host family. It's the like my uh, counterpart who I worked with every day, like the NGO that I worked in every day. Like that's the impact. <laughs> it's not, there's, and again, maybe it was just me who had this grandiose ideas of, well, that's it. I'm going to go and I'm going to fix Kosovo. <laughs> Right, like as white savior, even though I'm not white, like as you know, colonial mentality is as that sounds. Like that's the idea that I go into, and then again, you get there, and you're like, no, I'm not going to do any of that. (laughs) I I can barely have an impact on this town. Like maybe, you know what I mean. But mainly, I'll have an impact on the human beings around me, and that is like way more impact like someone is a whole entity onto themselves and having an impact on them and their outlook on life and like yes. the, the small ways that you can help them the the power of just learning the language like you know what i mean learning albanian a language that like no one learns because it's not like one of the major english spanish arabic like it's spoken in kosovo and in albania and that's basically it <laughs> um and so then the power of of that to the people around me like that is impactful right and so that's when I started like like putting that exact same mentality into consulting consulting and development into the class into the businesses we were paired up with because I was like oh I can have an impact on what Taylor who owns his business does now at the start of her business that will grow to you know exponential size like is bigger than me i don't know becoming the ceo of jp morgan or whatever and then deciding 
X amount of million dollars goes to small business technical assistance. Yeah, I that's that's why I kind of got into the class. And like, that was a really long story. (laughs) No, but Um, I. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, going back a little bit, honestly, that was the one of the biggest reasons for me too, I realized, because mm-hmm. I, the one thing that drew me to not just this class, but like the minor in general, I love, did you ever have Wendy Angst? Do you know who that is? I do not. Okay, so she is like one of the, I think, heads of the minor, um, and I took a couple classes with her, and one thing I learned more from her, but definitely like, you know, trickled into this class was it isn't this, you, you think this white savior mentality is, is what mm. is going to help. And it's all about human centered design thinking and, yes. um, like learning about other cultures and like that whole thing about like, t- you know, Tom's shoes, how it's like you buy one and then it like donates a pair, um, to mm-hmm. like a child, but then mm-hmm. it, that hurt all the local businesses, like just stuff like that mm-hmm. that you don't normally think about. And I've always had this like, I guess I like didn't even realize it before, but like this urge, like how, you know, where can I help? How can I help? But like, mm-hmm. it's not, like you said, it's not, how can I fix them? It's how can they be sustainable mm-hmm. on their own? And that's what yep. I think this class emphasizes so much. It's and and Dr. Morris did a, inc- an incredible job of that saying like, you don't have all the answers. I don't have all the yeah. answers. We're not here to tell them that this is how they need to run their business. It's, it's mm-hmm. more of like a, like I was saying before, like, how can we learn this together and brainstorm and that just yeah. like human, human centered design thinking always resonated with me so much when they would say things mm-hmm. like that. Cause it's like, this is how you truly help people. And then mm-hmm. it'll eventually, like, I think like, I feel like they helped us so much. Like I learned so much from them. Yep. Um, and if we would have gone in with this attitude, like, Oh, I'm in college. Like I know everything. It, it, it would have been so different. And I loved that we approached it in such a different way. Yeah. I think that that's the thing is like, I learned that through Peace Corps again, week one of realizing how little impact, but also like any time that you come into this, these sorts of situations where you're like, Oh, this is a charity or this is, I don't know, aid or like the, I'm using the you words. Of, like You're above them in some way. Yeah, exactly. You come in with, I, I'm going to call it a deficit mindset, even though I think that sounds like one of those weird internet bro <laughs> things that people say. Um, no, but I, I know what um, you mean. Yeah, but you come in with this idea of they're lacking something and I have it. And so I'm going to give them exactly the same thought that I had in Haiti versus the U.S. So I was like, Haiti is lacking something. The U.S. has what it's lacking. How do I make Haiti like the U.S.? And that's the complete wrong mentality because you just completely say that these human beings like just don't have it when really it's an whole entire economic system that was set up so that they don't have it. Right. And then if you think of things in more terms of accompaniment and more terms of I'm here, you lead, you tell me how you want me to use the tools that I have. Like not, it's not that you don't have it, but you know what I mean? Like you tell me how you want me to help. One of the questions that I ask during my interviews with these business owners that I've been doing for the podcast is, did the student consultancy process feel collaborative, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because I, I feel like we both, you and I recognize that like we are inexperienced college students. These are people who are running their own businesses. Yeah. How do we, you know what I mean? 
the way that we're going to help is not because we somehow know how to make a bookkeeping system. <laughs> but it's right. you, me, Taylor, and Chardé, who is our other uh, business owner, figuring out together, like the togetherness is key, yeah. like yeah. of how we can all help each other. <laughs> like that's, no. that's what it, and I think that was a big part. I, I remember do, specifically Dr. Moore is talking about that during one of the sessions in the class was like, like, telling the business owners that you are also learning, that you are, like, they are also helping you, that you're not just doing this, I don't know, oh, the yeah. goodness of your heart or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, this is a chore I have to get through my week. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I want, yeah. and, and I think one of the best parts of it was that it mm-hmm. wasn't on the Notre Dame campus. I love yeah. that we met them somewhere else in the community. Yeah, and I think the the criticisms I've heard, like, when I've talked to business owners about how they felt doing student consultancy. Yeah, like the one that I hear over and over is when people treat it like a grade. Like they, and the business owners themselves were saying that, that it was just like, oh, these are assignments that I just have to do for Dr. Morris. Right. And that's it. And not a real human being who needs, you know what right. I mean? I hope Taylor and Chardé didn't think that. No, 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 no. I, they didn't. I didn't interview Chardé. <laughs> but I, Taylor specifically was like, no, she did not feel... And I remember starting the class knowing that the way that I work, that I was just going to do too much. I was going to do above and beyond for the class because these this is not just an assignment, right? Like an assignment, I could bear in mind, that's just not me. <laughs> but this is a, a real person whose livelihood might depend on whether or not I, you know, get it together and deliver something. Seriously. Yeah. And I think we both did that. Like, I think you were about to graduate and you had 18 million things on your plate. This was my first semester. I had 18 million things on my plate, but we both, <laughs> I think, took a big bite like in in helping. And I, I also think it helps um, that whole doing too much mentality helps not it not just be a grade. <laughs> exactly. That, like it not just be a box to tick or, or, or um, whatever. And I think that you could low-key tell, you know, which groups did just want Mm -hmm. want the grade and didn't really... Like, are you kidding me? Like, we literally went to Sade's house for the last Mm -hmm. party. She, like, cooked us Mm -hmm. food. Like, I And I still text her, honestly, like, quite Mm -hmm. a bit. She, like, invites me, you know, whenever she has, like, online Lash stuff, she'll, Mm -hmm. like, reach out to me or whatever. Like, I feel like we actually made a lifelong connection with them versus the other class. uh, Some of the other groups I felt like were... Like, like we said, you know, just a grade. And you know what? Like, mm-hmm. whatever, that's fine for them. But I just feel like yeah. that's why, I guess, for us, I think it made, mm-hmm. like, I still it think works. about it all the time. Like, it made more of an impact on us, yeah. I feel like, which is what I wanted to get out of the class in the first place. So. Exactly. And I think leaving the classroom also helped with that. Like, it didn't just help the entrepreneurs feel more comfortable and, like, they were in their own space and not just, you know, on the Notre Dame campus doing Notre Dame stuff. But right. it helped us, like, think of this as a real, like, impactful thing yes. and meeting with a client and not just another class assignment. Oh, right. Can you talk about what maybe was the most challenging part of the class for you? Yeah, yeah. Let me think. Um, I would say for me, I mean, I definitely – got very nervous every week that like just on a personal level, like I wasn't going to deliver for them. Like, Mm -hmm. I I know that's not like that just overall. I I was always like, 
I want them to know like how invested I am in this, but like, I don't have all the answers. Like I don't, I, I remember I was so stressed about that stinking bookkeeping system. Cause I, yep. I didn't know how to do it. How can I make sure that I know these things when I don't even like, I don't know them and I don't know how to yeah. know them. that, that kind of thing. Taylor less needed a bookkeeping system. Um, and, and, uh, Chardet did, right. Cause they were just at different stages in their businesses. Right. Um, and, but I think literally like in putting together the numbers, again, it goes back to that thing of like, we both, like you specifically in, in coming up with a bookkeeping system for Chardet came up with one that she would actually use. Like if a business student or an actual consultant, like came up with a, um, uh, a bookkeeping system for Chardet, it might be, I don't want to say too complicated, but just not a thing that sh- like she at the stage that her business is right now would legitimately well, use on a day-to-day basis, right? Exactly. But you that's- and I, like our capabilities to make a bookkeep, we can only make one that's not insulting, but we can't fly above our, right? No. And so it, we can only make one that makes sense in a way that Chardet would use it every day, right? Like, yeah. and that is more of a success than let me give you complicated on complicated right. when you're not at complicated yet. You're, <laughs> like, you're so right. You're so right. Yeah. And, and so I think like that, I also was banging my head against the wall with that bookkeeping system, right? Because even though I did econ in undergrad, I'm not a numbers person. Right. Um, and so, but, but again, we figured it out. And we, I'm saying that as in me, Taylor, you, Sharday, like we all figured it out collectively and not just like, oh man, let me Google QuickBooks and then give you a lesson on QuickBooks. Like that wasn't it. That wasn't the point of the the exercise. Because <laughs> Sharday can Google QuickBooks, right? Like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that was a, a, a part of it. What, what would you say the most dif- difficult thing on your end was? Um, I think for me, like, I, I did feel that white savior, like, again, I, this is, this is an audio medium. So I have to say, I'm not, I'm a black woman, (laughs) fully blackity black. (laughs) Both of my parents are black. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm not mixed. I, there's no doubt about it. Right. (laughs) But before coming into the class, um, I, in talking about and talking to people who had taken it or had heard of it before, like that was one of the things they were like, it's great. It's hands-on. Like you are meeting with business owners and that is invaluable, like truly as a learning tool. But there is this kind of feeling because we are at Notre Dame, an elite university, and we are like students meeting with like these older um, business owners who are of a kind of tend to be lower socioeconomic status. Like it, like the whole program is called South Bend Entrepreneurs in Adversity, right? So it's yeah. like it's it's already people who are don't have all the privileges of Notre Dame and just that structure, like outside of who specifically is in, cause you're a white woman, I'm a black woman, but it, it didn't even matter. But because we're both Notre Dame and they're not like that already creates. Like the power. Is foul. It's foul. Yeah. 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 Right. Me, someone who's never done a business plan can now tell you who started your own business, how to do bookkeeping. Right. Like that, yeah. like that is the, what I feared like overcoming and what I wanted to just be the most humble about. Right. Right. And I think Dr. Morris in this class has like, again, well-founded idea of like, you want to come off as the expert, 
you you don't want to say I don't know. You don't want to. You know what I mean. You want to come off like you know because you do right. Like you know how to do marketing. <laughs> you know how to do Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. because we're young. Like these are the skill the skills that we have. We are experts on right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think bec- when you mix that with the inherent um, privileges and power imbalance of like Notre Dame student versus not Notre Dame student, like that, like is the thing that then gets us in trouble like that's the thing that i worried about the most and that i was like we at least in our team i'm sorry sorry finish yeah we at least in our team i was like we're not gonna do this and we weren't they, i never got a hint from you that you would be like oh i know everything <laughs> because i got a new game yeah and and so i uh, that's i think the biggest challenge for me was worrying about that and i think in worrying about about it we overcame it Right. And also because both of our businesses were black women as well. I think that also helped just that, at least for me, class solidarity of like, oh, you're a black woman. I'm a black woman. We all get it. (laughs) Yeah. And and then there was me. (laughs) That was the first episode of Behind the Hustle. On the next episode, we'll actually do what the tagline promises and hear from actual entrepreneurs. They'll talk about why they left or were pushed out of the traditional job market and why they turned to entrepreneurship. All that and more on the next episode of Behind the Hustle. See you there and thanks for listening.